I used to, I used to have one of those white noise machines, uh-huh. um, and I always use it to fall asleep. But then after a, a week or two, this is one of the very older models. It, I could tell the point at which it started looping again. And then I, in my head, it would just screw me up every time. I'd be almost asleep or whatever. And I would just latch on to the fact that I, I knew it was just starting over. Um, so I didn't use them for many years. And then uh, I rediscovered it on YouTube. They, they have like 12 hour long streams of just pure white noise of, of some kind or whatsoever, right? And you uh-huh. get to, it's cool. I mean, because you get to like shop around for what sounds you prefer, right? <laughs> I want to shop around for a noise that doesn't quite sound like anything and it does and doesn't distract right. you. Well, for me, it's fans. <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's just like, it's the start and the end of everything that I want. But it's like, even within, that that whole segment you get your choice you're like oh do i want a box fan or do i want an oscillating fan that goes back and forth and then there's one guy that does like these vintage fans you know with the big metal frames and everything no yes and then okay and then it starts to get like a little you know a little intriguing is it starts to mix fans together at the same time oh, okay ooh. can you and handle then it it's like a little bit naughty he's like okay how about we have three fans and they're all at different speeds Ooh. <laughs> ooh I- you won't believe what these co-ed fans are doing on the weekend and then it's just <laughs> full out gangbang eight box fans <laughs> All at once. Just complete (laughs) orgy. And I'm like, okay, all right, hold on. That's too far. I don't, my ears don't know what to listen to. I can't pick out any one fan. It's just a blur. (laughs) Too much fan on fan action. You know it. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Interrupted Tales, the show where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob, and this is my friend Alan. Hey Rob, I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm ready. Let's go. Are you psyched? No. Uh, this week, <laughs> well, this week we've got a sis boom ba of a tale. It's "Getting Billy's Goat" by Jack Brandt from The Cavalier, September twenty eighth, nineteen twelve. It's very ca- very cavalier. They don't <laughs> don't really care whether you read the magazine or not. Yeah, subscribe, don't subscribe. We're good. No We're good. So now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab a drink while I read you this week's tale. Football at Buckeye College was no afternoon pink tea. It's not pink tea. 
No, it's not pink gin for you pinko pink ladies. Get off the field. <laughs> if you apologized for putting a hobnailed shoe in the face of your best friend, the coach was likely to light on your neck the next minute because of your ladylike manners. Temper played a big part in picking the team, and those of us who didn't have any originally had had it developed. Oh, well, I mean, it's nice they teach the fundamentals, running and blocking schemes and unacceptable levels of rage. The one exception was Billy Gordon, our big guard. Billy was so good-natured that it oozed out all over him. Like a very sweaty James Corden. Oh, <laughs> no one, not even the coaches, could even ruffle him. Even if one did pick a scrap, he was so big that it didn't do any good. He would put out his right hand, which was about as heavy and greatly resembled a full-size hat. Or ham. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a difference, although with a ham, I mean, if it's spiral cut, you really need to seek medical attention. <laughs> It, it, that is true. That is, don't and either way, don't put it on your head. Uh, and if anyone got in front of him, it he would be brushed. He would be brushed. It would be brushed off like a fly, leaving Billy as serene and good-natured as ever. As for hurting him into a fit of temper, you could run races up and down the back of his spine, and he wouldn't know you were there. He weighed two fifty stripped. And all vulnerable parts were protected by the latest six-inch kick-proof flesh armor plating. Armor? Are they... Does that mean a jock or, like, a Starship Trooper's mobile infantry suit? I'm thinking something like the thing. He's made of rock. So it's, I, the, oh, this is how Under Armour got its start. A man like that can get you a place in the line on any football team in the country. But Tom Burns, head coach of Buckeye, wanted more than an automaton of defense. He wanted a whirlwind of attack and destruction. Well, I think that's going to depend on which Blood Bowl rule set you use. Which one is the best? Um, the one with the Skaven? <laughs> Skaven? Wow. He used to sit up whole nights trying to think of schemes to make Billy mad. His theory was that every man had a temper stored away somewhere, and it only needed a touch on the hidden spring to start it off. Uh, the prostate? <laughs> that's, that's the hidden spring of the body? Shh! Don't tell! Not in public! I guess he was right, for he found it on everybody else on the team. I've gone into a game so mad that I've tried to shake men in my teeth and growl. Oh, gross. Well, hey, man, why does this mouth guard taste like golden gophers? But Tom was pretty well stumped trying to discover the combination that fitted Billy. Two weeks before the big final game with Kenyon College, our main rival, the situation began to get desperate. Tom Burns called a meeting of the whole team, minus Billy, and explained that, no matter how furious the rest of us got... If we didn't get a good mad out of Billy, we stood as much chance of winning that game as of growing wings on Earth. Oh, it looks like we got a genetics professor over here at Buckeye <laughs> College. <laughs> he admitted that he was up against it, or he wouldn't have called on a lot of sapheads like us to do a man's thinking. What he wanted was to get Billy angry just before the game 
and have the cause of his anger so far out of his reach that he couldn't get at it and would take his wrath out on the Kenyan team. Why, if they don't solve this Syrian refugee crisis, I'm going to get <laughs> damned pissed off. The reason that his previous experiments had failed was because Billy had always succeeded in coming down solid with his 250 pounds on the object that was supposed to work the charm. And the instant and complete crushing of that object always had the effect of immediately restoring any particles that might have started to stray from Billy's good nature. <laughs> oh, geez, Billy. We're the ones that told your mom to say she didn't love you. It was kind of a prank. We didn't think you'd, well, <laughs> practice is canceled and we'll see you at the funeral. <laughs> hey, glad you're feeling better. <laughs> this set us all to thinking. And that night, as I jumped into bed, I found the solution. That solution was Miss Pink. Miss Pink was the queen of the co-eds and the prettiest girl in two states. Uh, we accept your invitation to the sock hop and further, I am grateful to the pep committee for their support of the monarchy. <laughs> As queen of the co-eds, you queen see. Queen of the co-eds. I, I just salute you for not going with the obvious Miss Pink jokes. It was secretly surmised among a choice few who were in on the game that she was as good as engaged to head coach Tom Burns. Billy, who didn't dance, and therefore didn't think much of girls, was not one of the few who were in on the game. Wait, so you don't dance? You're not too much into girls? Well, if your mama don't dance, <laughs> then your daddy don't rock and roll. So Fair enough. Considering Tom's feelings in that direction, I didn't have any trouble in convincing him that all Miss Pink had to do was to smile once or twice on a man and his peace of mind would begin jumping around like a squirrel in a rat trap. Jesus, remind <laughs> me not to major in metaphors at Buckeye, <laughs> at Buckeye College. College. Buckeye College. We, we... Our English department works overtime. <laughs> We use more words before 8 a.m. than most people use all day. My plan was to get her to cast a few of those smiles on Billy. It's a well-known axiom that a fellow in love is partially susceptible to the grouch germ. <laughs> the grouch. You know, Snickers has been scientifically proven to fight the grouch germ. <laughs> you know, they've got a good English department, but their, their uh, biology department needs a little help. A little lacking. And it's just a step from a good blue grouch to a tearing rage. I predicted that in two weeks, we could get the thing so well underway that on the day of the final game, all we would have to do would be to light the fuse. And then, run like the mischief to get far enough away before the explosion. It's like putting a cherry bomb in a football player-shaped toilet. <laughs> the... The end that I outlined to Tom was just to have Miss Pink come up to Billy, just as he was leaving the locker building, in his football clothes, and reach out and slap him on the face, preferably on each side of his face. Now, uh, I'm sure you're a professional, Miss Pink. I, I don't want to give you any notes, but uh, it's important for the scene that we get that emotion across, the, the slapping emotion. Yes, and, and don't dirty his football clothes, either. She could throw in some words at the same time, like liar and cheat, or whatever the ladylike phrases were that would convey the same meaning. This, I reasoned, would rouse the temper of a mummy, 
And of course, as Billy couldn't hit a girl, he would go into the game and begin tearing the clothes off the Kenyan team. <laughs> well, you know, we're all wired different. Hey, whatever different strokes. Whatever floats your boat, dude. Tom agreed that the basis of the plot wasn't bad. Um, a little derivative, maybe a tough sell for Netflix, but uh, Amazon Studios, maybe. Desperate, yes. But he didn't think that quite so much action in the final play would suit Miss Pink. He said I had the right idea, but if at that I'd ever been in love, I would realize that it wouldn't take as much as that to make a man eat granite. According to his views, the best way to get Billy's goat would be to have the lady of his choice suddenly announce on the day of the game that she was engaged to another man. Okay, hold on. I'm going to dust off my copy of the rules and see what <laughs> step this is. What, is. what does mystery say to do in this situation? <laughs> Wear a hat. I wasn't born yesterday, and I saw right away that Tom thought this might be a good method to clear up his own difficulties, and at the same time rouse the sleeping lion in Billy. So I played into his hand. I guess you're right, I said. It sure would give Billy a jolt if Miss Pink should tell him that she was engaged to you when he was thinking that he was the kingpin. Do you think you stand in strong enough to pull the trick off at the proper moment? It was a fool question for me to ask. If there was one line where Tom considered that he was strong, it was with the ladies. Well, it ain't football coaching. <laughs> he wasn't far... Hey, you gotta get mad out there. <laughs> and when it's time for the quarterback to snap the mad, you gotta run the mad to the mad zone. <laughs> he wasn't far wrong either. For he was no end of a hero, and girls like that kind. He's literally trying to prank one of his players into being <laughs> enraged enough to hurt the other team. Hero? Oh, well, if you say so. <laughs> I mean, I don't like the word hero, but, you know. It's all... Some people have called me that. With great power comes great responsibility to trick a young college boy into anger it's the responsibility of being a mentor but i had an idea that he was having harder work bringing miss pink to terms than he liked to admit this seemed tough on tom for it was plain as day that she was the one girl he had ever met when he was head over heels in love with i don't understand girls because i have red hair uh, <laughs> you want to Roll back the tape on that one. Let's just... <laughs> I don't understand girls, comma, because I have red hair. Okay, now the whole plot of Pete and Pete <laughs> makes much more sense to me now. But I shouldn't have been surprised if it was just because she didn't fall down in front of him that made him so keen about her. Well, said Tom, looking a little fussed. You certainly have got a lot of nerve, but if you can keep a secret, I'll tell you something. I'm not engaged to Miss Pink yet, but I hope to be. And I think that for the good of the college, I can get her to play her part. And we'll let Billy know of our engagement at the right moment to win that game. Well, that plan is both scummy and dumb, so <laughs> we, it's gotta work out. <laughs> I hope she tells me her first name soon. The next day, 
Tom was beaming. So after practice, I asked him how things were progressing. And because he wanted to talk to somebody, and because he had started in to make a confidant of me, he told me all about it. It seems that when he had first suggested the plan, she had refused absolutely to have anything to do with it. But after he had made a strong appeal to her college spirit... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Miss Pink... Do you think this college survives on research and studying? No, 80% of our funding comes from college football-based pranks. I, I think this entire concept was came up by the same people who, uh, who wrote Grease 2 in the Do It For Your Country <laughs> scene. <laughs> he explained how necessary temper was to football and that unless she helped... We would lose the big game. She came around conditionally. The conditions were that she reserved the right to drop out at any moment, and that if any engagement was announced, she was to be the one to do the announcing. Also, she gets to pick out the font on the Save the Date cards. (laughs) No more papyrus, okay? Mm, So sad. Poor papyrus. And Tom assured me that she wasn't the kind of girl that would back out and that she would do her best for Buckeye. He was going to take Billy to walk that night and meet her accidentally, and had an excuse all fixed up to leave them together. Now that everything was arranged, I began to feel a little uneasy in my conscience. I liked Billy, as did everybody else, and it seemed to me that we were playing him a pretty low-down trick. Yeah, a low-down Pretty ill-conceived, pretty mind-bafflingly idiotic (laughs) trick. I had never been in love and had no idea how easy a thing it was to get over. Of course, my red hair made it impossible and illegal for me to experience (laughs) romantic feelings. I would never know the touch of a woman. (laughs) But I reasoned that Miss Pink and Tom knew what they were doing, and that if they considered it harmless, why, they ought to know and tried to think no more about it. No. No one knows what they are doing in this story. Football? Things begin... (laughs) There's definitely no football. I I sincerely don't think that this person, the writer, ever has seen a game of football. Things began to turn out beautifully, just as we had planned. I guess a mere man doesn't stand much chance when a girl really sets her cap for him. Like in Mario Odyssey. (laughs) The girl sets her cap and then just possesses his life force. (laughs) And Billy, well, Billy fell like a lamb and even took to writing poetry. Yes, Billy took up the pen name of Emily Dickinson and the rest is history. His whole manner changed, and he carried around his 250 pounds as if they were barely enough ballast to keep him connected with the earth. Tom gave him a clear field for the good of the team, and when he wasn't at practice or attending lectures, you could be pretty sure he was with Miss Pink or waiting for her somewhere. Everybody noticed it and smiled at it and liked Billy and Miss Pink all the better for it. Oh, I'm so glad you two got together for a fake romance. You two deserve it. (laughs) This went on for two weeks, right up to the afternoon of the final game. Then came the explosion. It was bigger than we had expected, so big that Tom caught in it. 
Tom got caught in it, that is. A few of us were walking down to the field with Tom. He was very nervous, not listening to anything we said, and I knew it wasn't all caused by the game. Right in front of us were Miss Pink and Billy, waiting on the corner. As we passed, Billy called to Tom, and he joined them. We went on. I heard later that Tom tried to get away, but she wouldn't let him. Please stay, Mr. Burns, she said. You have both been such good friends to me, and I I want you to be the first to hear a secret. The Illuminati are responsible for chemtrails. The Trilateral Commission is listening to all your phone calls. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm engaged, but don't tell, because it isn't out yet. Richard Randolph is a distant cousin, and I am so anxious to have you meet him. She smiled up at them with those big, round, trusting eyes of hers. She was so confident they would be delighted, and so absolutely unconscious that she was causing the slightest uneasiness in either of them. They tried to say the right thing, and left her to wait for her girlfriends, who were going with her to the game. And when they joined us at the locker room, they were like two full-sized hurricanes done up in quart bottles. Oh, quart bottles of hurricanes, man. That was a crazy (laughs) night at Senior Frogs. (laughs) Nobody but I knew what the trouble was, and I didn't guess but half of it. Tom sailed into us in true football style, and the talk he gave us was a lyric. I've never heard nor read of a speech before a battle that could touch it. It put fire into us as if he was pouring it in with a dipper. And we ran out on that field ready to consume all that we touched. Oh, God, this does not make any freaking (laughs) sense. For today, we go out not to compete, but to triumph. We are united. We are one. Don't ever fucking trust a woman. They are devils, evil salamanders. Um, Protect the pocket and get those TDs on three. <laughs> I, I need a moment. I'm, I'm just too inspired. <laughs> oh, that game, that game will live forever in the history of Buckeye College. As a gross violation of the college's <laughs> student conduct guidelines. <laughs> the game where the students learned not to trust. Kenyon came on the field with a heavier team and the idea that they were going to have a cinch. They found ten furies and one demon, and there was as much chance of stopping Buckeye as stopping the north wind. Billy was the demon. The Demogorgon of the gridiron. (laughs) See, it's it's a... a demagon and and a and a dog and a demon demon. I would actually I would have said Orcus, but I don't know if he would have gotten that reference. Yeah, it's because you're a Dorcas. <laughs> From a quiet, peace-loving Hercules of an hour before, he had changed into an avenging torrent of wrath. Four men couldn't hold him, and his path when he ran down the field was lined with cripples with one or two of the bravest who courted death clinging to him. This guy, this author, really, he should have written marketing copy for the XFL. He (laughs) makes permanent injury sound very sporty. (laughs) He hate me. 
That's all yes. I remember about the XFL. He, he ate me. Yep. The, uh, that was that guy's <laughs> that was that guy's nickname. He it was on his shirt. He hate me. It was great. Oh memories. The odds turned right around in the first ten minutes, and the college and the bleachers went wild with delight as we dashed on to victory. The score at the end was twenty nine to nothing. And there was lots of fights still left in us. Like, wow, slightly more than one touchdown per <laughs> quarter. What a legendary game. People will talk about this for generations. Two men fought even as the cheering undergrads carried them twice around the field on their shoulders. These two were Tom Burns and Billy. There was a big bonfire on the campus that night, and everybody, co-eds and all, attended. At about the middle of it, there was a cry for an axe. And as I vaguely remember... <laughs> it, that's, that's what it says, a cry for an axe. That's what it says? It says cry for an axe. And as I vaguely remembered having seen one around the corner of the grandstand where the carpenters had been working, I went for it. Are you kidding me, man? <laughs> a college party and nobody brought an axe? This is lame. <laughs> All right, guys, who spiked the punch with an axe again? Come on. Hey, um, we're going to have an axe pong tournament <laughs> uh, coming up, okay? I made plenty of noise coming, but there were two people around there in the dark that didn't hear me. They were Miss Pink and Billy. I was near enough to hear what they were saying when I stopped, and I couldn't help listening. Miss Pink was talking. I I said it for a joke, she was saying. Well, it's it's really more of a think piece, sort of a what-if scenario. Um, I call it art dialogue. There isn't any Richard Randolph. I, I'm sorry I did it. I would have never done it if, if I had thought you would get so angry with me. I wasn't angry with you or anyone, said Billy. Stubborn as a barn full of mules. Oh, but you were. You were very, very angry indeed. And it was splendid. And, and I love you for it. It always pays not to argue with a woman. And there are some times when it pays better than others. Yeah, divorce settlements. <laughs> I hurried away as fast as I could. But I couldn't get away fast enough not to notice that Billy realized this was one of the times that called for action. Not words. The end. They didn't they didn't even run a play. Do I feel like this is one of those stories where it feels like there are both way too many words and they're also missing many important words that would help turn this into an actual story? Um uh I'm sorry. I uh, graduated Kenyon College <laughs> with a 4.72 GPA. Hey, so. hey, 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 you're talking to a Buckeye man here, all right? You want to take this outside? <laughs> Class of 92. Yeah, that was that was something. I really felt like yeah, I was there. I well, I feel like nobody should have been there. <laughs> and I don't feel like uh, football should have been able to continue with this sort of social construct uh, that, uh, you know, <clears throat> values... Uh, uh, 
I don't know, prank, uh, rage over, you know, I don't know, concussion medication. This is, it's kind of a revenge of the nerds type tale where, uh, you know, the, the schooling isn't quite as important as the possibly, uh, felony related pranks that are being done. Well, you know, that's why Richard Randolph is so good at sex is because, uh, jocks are uh, <laughs> exercising all the time, and he, and Richard Randolph's an imaginary character that only <laughs> spends all this time thinking about doing it. Oh man, I wish I was that man. Oh, <laughs> all right, what do you think the moral of the story is then? Well, the moral of the story is that if you're the big uh, football player hero of the team, you're gonna get the girl no matter what. Because the coach yeah. just disappears at the end. Nothing happens to him at all. Pretty sure he went to jail for <laughs> inappropriate behavior. What did you think the moral of the story was? Okay, well, I think uh, I really read it as an anti-steroids allegory. Oh, oh yes, yes. Um, where, you know, all you really need is good football skills mm. and some, you know, convoluted threes company bullshit. And <laughs> and you, you could be a fantastic player. <laughs> it, it, it's all it takes, man. That's all you need at, uh, in Division II's football. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week's exciting sports ball episode. Tune in next week, folks, for another exciting interrupted. Richard Randolph's great. He's so rich and he has this enormous skillet football. Tail.